HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box and Clover, working together to provide restaurants with even more technology for a better hospitality experience. Visit getbento.com better to learn more. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022, and this is our 334th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the wonderful executive chef of an iconic New Orleans restaurant, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to prove yourself as a leader. Show that you have what it takes to lead through your words and actions, demonstrating qualities of courage, good communication and intentions, accountability, focus, empathy, and passion, among others. As a leader, you may have to work harder than others to earn trust and respect, but that's what will set you apart. So lead from the heart and prove your worth. You are worthy of it. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm thrilled to have my guest joining me. It is Meg Bickford. She's the executive chef at Commander's Palace, a New Orleans landmark since 1893, known for creating great dining memories. Megan, or Meg, has called Commander's Palace Kitchen her culinary home since June 2008 and took on the role of executive chef at the New Orleans destination for leading-edge hot Creole cuisine in October 2020. Meg previously served as the executive chef of Cafe Adelaide, the Commander's family's playful modern Creole restaurant. She comes from a family with a father from New Orleans and a mother from down the bio, so both Cajun and Creole influences run in her blood. Commander's Palace, the winner of seven James Beard Foundation Awards, has evolved into a culinary legend. And without further ado, Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. I have to say, I was like reading up on Commander's Palace and trying to go through the whole history, and it's it's a lot and it's amazing. And <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I've been studying for a test. That, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's incredible. It's such a legendary restaurant. So, um, so Meg, can you? Um, can you take us back a little bit of your history? Because I always like to start with my guests and find out how they got into the hospitality industry. Sure. Um, yeah, for me, um, you know, I grew up, like you said, my dad's from New Orleans and, and my mom's from down the bayou in a small town called Cutoff, which is about an hour south of New Orleans. 
um, which looking at a map, it's kind of hard to imagine <laughs> that. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a South Louisiana family and, uh, you know, we tend to have big families and, and, you know, everything that we do revolves around food and it revolves around cooking. And when we're eating one meal, we're talking about what the next is going to be. And so growing up in that environment, you know, food was just a very important thing in my life. And um, being surrounded by people who um, appreciated food for what it for what it does, um, you know, we mourn over food and we celebrate over food. And um, it really that importance was just instilled at a young age and the power that food has. And um, so I was just very drawn to it. And, um, you know, coming up, I, I learned how to cook from, you know, my parents and, and my grandmothers and my aunts and uncles. And, you know, everybody just knew how to cook. And I think that that's really cool. And I think that that's something that happens here in the South that doesn't necessarily happen everywhere, uh, that things are, are passed down intentionally that way. And, um, so, you know, when I when I was uh, an older child, when I was in high school, I went to my dad and I said, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about going to culinary school. And he was very much taken back. And um, and he's like, yeah, we all love to eat, but you don't understand what you're saying, you know, to uh, to be in the hospitality industry is like nothing else. And, uh, you know, he spoke from experience when he was Young in his life, he worked a lot in hospitality and helped, um, you know, he ran bars when he was in college and he helped uh, a friend open a restaurant. And so so he knew kind of what he was talking about way more than I did. Um, and so he did. He tried to talk me out of it for a while, you know, and he uh, he told me that when, when people in the hospitality industry uh, work, that's when everyone else in the world is playing. And when everyone else in the world is sleeping, that's when people in the hospitality industry play. And there's not really any time in between. And I think that that was important for him to, to kind of get across because, you know, having a young daughter and a, a father from, you know, an older generation, for him, he wanted me to, you know, meet a man and get married and, and have children and, you know, live kind of a... Um, an expected life, maybe. <laughs> and he knew this road would be um, not necessarily what was expected. So uh, I did it anyway. And um, I went to the Chef John Falls Culinary Institute because I had to have um, a, a bachelor's degree. That was the deal. If, if my dad was going to help me in school, um, I had to have a bachelor's degree, which to this day, I, I can't thank him enough for. Um, and he's, you know, CIA is, is fantastic. Johnson Wells is fantastic. You know, there's, there's plenty of wonderful culinary schools that I could have gone to. And he said, no, you're going to, you're going to understand business and you're going to understand um, what, you know, what it's really all about and, and you're going to be successful. And, um, and all of those schools do teach a lot of that stuff. I'm not trying to say that they don't, but, uh, but he pushed me and, and I got a Bachelor of Science in Culinary Arts, which is pretty um, uncommon. And, um, and loved it. I loved school. I thought it was amazing. Um, you know, I really, I'm a firm believer that you, you get out of things what you put into them. And I definitely put my all into it. Um, I was actually granted a scholarship to study at Institut Paul Bocuse in Lyon, France while I was in school, which just changed my life. <laughs> wow. Um, I've, I've, yeah. I've been to the restaurant there. I mean, many years ago, I, I went on a, a mission to, to visit. So that's special. It was incredibly special. Um, and it really did. It, it changed my life. It changed, um, you know, just the way that I was going to look at the world, you know? And, um, and so after, you know, after, Doing that, I, I came home and I had, you know, a few credits left to, to gain before I graduated. And um, all of this will lead up to commanders because while I was um, about to graduate culinary school and I had, you know, held jobs in um, that actually, you know, cooking in restaurants is the only thing I've ever done <laughs> professionally. Um, you know, I was a waitress in a pizza spot and and made pizzas in high school and I was Actually, my first job was a baker in a bagel shop. And um, so it's all I've ever done. It was all I was ever really interested enough in to, to do. And 
Um, so when I was graduating college, uh, one of my chef instructors um, told me that he uh, had uh, handed my resume over to T. Martin, who is uh, the co- one of the co-proprietors here at Commander's Palace. And I said, well, why did you do that? <laughs> and he said... He said, um, he was like, well, it's something that, you know, I really think that, that you should do. And I don't think it's a leap that you would make on your own. And, um, and so I looked at it as, you know, if they call me for an interview, then maybe I'll use it as practice, you know, because we all, you know, I don't still to this day, I think practicing interviewing and, and things like that is incredibly important. And, and I still do it. And um, so I was like, okay, well, this, this will be practice. And, uh, and that led me at Commander's Doorstep. Wow, and then the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is kind of history, yeah. So, so you did you did end up working there um, from from after meeting T. Uh, I did. So I didn't meet her. So she took my resume and she passed it over to one of the sous chefs at the time. Okay. And um, yeah, and so I got a phone call. It was like a Tuesday night at like eight o'clock, and I got a, a phone call from uh, one of the sous chefs that was here at the time. Um, and he said, Hey, I have your resume in front of me. And it was, I didn't know at the time why he had my resume in front of him. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, we, we talked for a while and, um, he said, well, you know, why don't you come down to commanders and, um, and spend a a service with us and we'll go from there. And so I did, uh, terrified. I, uh, I showed up at commanders and, um, I worked a service here. And at the end of the shift, I was just, my eyes were popping out of my head. I mean, I was just so amazed at what I'd seen. I was um, so exhilarated by the energy and the level of professionalism and the speed and the efficiency and just all of it was so intense. Um, I think of it as like, I've that night I felt like I was standing in the middle of a beehive and there's, you know, a million things happening around you. And there's this incredibly, you know, um, harmonious buzz. And everyone is, is, you know, from the outside, it looks so frantic. But from the inside, it's like everyone is moving in perfect unison. And it, it was just this really beautiful dance. And I was, I just knew I had to be a part of it. So, so you've, I mean, you've, you've been with the comp, the family, the restaurant since, um, tell, for for listeners who might not be familiar with Commander's Palace, can you briefly tell us a little bit about the history and like what or even what, it, you know, it, it meant to you and like where you, you then I know went on to be the executive chef at Cafe Adelaide, which is um, part of the restaurant groups as their more playful modern Creole restaurant, which I believe is now closed. But you were there for a long Correct. time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Commanders is, um, you know, Commanders Palace to us is a little neighborhood restaurant. <laughs> it's um, nestled in uh, the beautiful Garden District of New Orleans. So we are, you know, it's a residential neighborhood, and there's these. It, the streets are just lined with these gorgeous mansions and lush greenery, and it's just one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, and Commander's is an old Victorian mansion um, that that sits directly across from the Lafayette Number One Cemetery, and it's just it's so quintessential New Orleans, you know. Um, but this restaurant uh, has been here for a very long time. Uh, I think 1893. Um, the house was built uh, by Emil Commander, and it was you know, for his, I believe for his daughter's wedding. And I don't think that wedding ever happened. (laughs) And eventually the house was turned into a restaurant. Um, But in the 70s, um, Ella Brennan, who was running Brennan's on Royal at the time, um, moved her business over to Commander's Palace. And so Ella is kind of the, um, the matriarch of the Commander's family of restaurants. And she was just an incredible woman, uh, to say the very least. Um, you know, she, uh, appreciated and loved food so much and she loved this city so much. And she knew that, um, food was power and 
that it could it could change people's lives. And she wanted to be there to help change people's lives. And so she got together with um, a very talented man, Paul Prudhomme, um, and the two of them. Um, you know, to me, their their time together uh, in the '70s here at Commander's Palace was um, one of the most important times in in food in New Orleans, um, because that is when the the real clash happened between Cajun and Creole cuisine. And you know, Paul was um, a Cajun man, and he cooked very. Um, the food was very heavy and very rich, and um, which we all love that, but it's not necessarily something that you want to, you would expect out of a fine dining experience, and uh, which was more of, of what Creole food was, was evolving into. So Ella and Paul together um, really you know, focused on how to bring the two together and to highlight the food of of our region, you know, at the time, um, you know, kind of across the country, if, if you were eating fine dining, you were eating French cuisine, you know, and a lot of people were importing products from all over to, to provide a fine dining experience. And, and Ellen and Paul are looking at, you know, our, our beautiful area that we have. I mean, we are, you know, we call it our sportsman's paradise and we have, you know, the beautiful seafood of the Gulf and um, fabulous indigenous ingredients. It's why aren't we using this? You know, this is what people are eating at home. We can elevate this food. And that's exactly what they did. And um, after Paul uh, came a very young man at the time, Emeril Agassi. And, um, (laughs) and everyone knows who that is. And, um, Emeril and Ella did a lot of very uh, special things together. And um, I think, you know, Emeril is, is still to this day very proud to talk about his time with Ella and how she really um, helped him grow into himself. And um, him being executive chef here was way more than just executive chef. I mean, he really did um, find himself and and he, uh, with her her kind of, more than blessing, more her nudge. Um, he left Commanders to to go on and have an incredibly successful career. As as we all know, it's such a house household name. Um, after uh, after Emerald was um, the late and great Jamie Shannon, um, who's just a marvelous man, and again pushed Cajun and Creole cuisine. You know, I mean, through through each chef, there was this major evolution happening here at Commanders. And um, when Jamie Shannon passed away, uh, Tori McPhail took over. And Tori had been with the family for a few years, but still a very young man. And he is like no one I've ever met. And I've had the the privilege. I worked under him for about 12 years. Um, And he was just always pushing us forward. And he was all about the evolution of commanders and what is next. And and making us um, the forefront of modern New Orleans cuisine. And so this restaurant has been through this, this incredible um, wave of a very short list of, of very powerful and, and phenomenal chefs. And, um, and that's the goal is to keep pushing forward with them. But um, Commander's is, is a, a very celebratory restaurant. It's incredibly special. It's exciting. And it's, um, I think, you know, talking about all the, the chefs that have come through Commanders, um, I still think that our specialty is making memories. I think what happens in the dining room is, is kind of unmatched. Um, it's, it's an incredible place to be. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it is it is incredible, quite, quite a history, quite a, a lineup of chefs. Um, and I... I have memories of of going to Commanders, and my I, th- I mentioned this on my last show. My sister um, had gone to Tulane, and so I visited New Orleans many times when I was uh, I don't I guess in like the early nineties and and yeah. over years. And it's always it's always been one of my favorite cities, and I love visiting. And I'm so due to come back. Um, yes. I, I need to get back to Commanders. So so tell us what is it like now taking over this 
this restaurant, this iconic restaurant from Tori and, and what, and have you, I guess like from tradition and then moving forward, um, you know, maybe say keeping up with the times, like, are Mm -hmm. you putting new, new dishes on the menu? Are there certain dishes that you have to keep on the menu? Um, you know, I would. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, that's a fair question. I think, um, you know, well, we'll get back to taking over because it was quite an interesting time. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's one thing um, at Commanders and and having uh, you know people that that have run this restaurant for so long. You know, with Ella Brennan and and now um, her daughter and niece T Martin and and Lally Brennan, um, they. <laughs> they know food and they love food, you know? So to have owners of a restaurant like this um, so involved in the creative process and so involved in um, wanting our restaurant to be, again, on that leading edge, um, we we don't like to talk about um, tradition, you know? I mean, we we appreciate our history very much because there's so much of it and it's so good and so many great things have happened in this building. And, you know, what um, what generations of people have celebrated with us and and, and feel about us is, is incredibly important. Um, but what's really important to us is, you know, that all of that can go away, you know? I mean, we have to we have to keep pushing forward and, and, you know, we have to be the best tomorrow, not just today and not just yesterday. And, um, and they are very much a part of, of that creative process. And we have a stellar team. I'm very fortunate that I've got a team of sous chefs who um, are very interested in, in pushing and, and making ourselves uncomfortable and, and making it hard in order to, um, do fun and exciting things. And you don't know what's going to work until you try it, you know, and having that freedom and that liberty and that um, kind of confidence as a team to be able to do that is, uh, it, it won't stop you. And um, that's something that every chef along the way has has made sure was, was known and important and felt. Um, but we've, we change the menu here all the time, you know, and, and, that's nothing new. Um, so yes, there are favorites. There's a lot of favorites. It's been a, you know, an incredible history of incredible chefs. There's tons of favorites. I have a lot of favorites. What's and, a favorite? Um, Can you name one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that um, like you mean picking your children, you know, kids? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, one of, one of my, uh, favorite dishes from Commander's Past would be like the oyster and artichoke dome. And that's something that Tori did, you know, ages ago, but it's like these, you know, beautiful, supple, briny golf oysters poached in this light absinthe cream with a puff pastry shell. And it's got like bacon lardoons and artichoke hearts. And it's, it's, it's divine. It's divine. Um, (laughs) So it'll, it'll, it'll show its face every once and again when I'm missing it, you know? Um, And so we'll, we'll do a different version of it or we'll put it on the menu for the holidays because it is, you know, it's something that people taste and it takes them back to the first time they had it, you know, and that's, that's fun. And it's exciting that we can provide that for people. Um, but we are always changing, you know, and, and that's the exciting part is that we're not reined in by our, our past or our history. And it's fun that people keep coming back to see what we're doing next. They don't just keep coming back for that. Yeah. That oyster and artichoke dome. Yeah, that's, that's, Thanks. Wonderful. And so, yeah, I, I got you with two questions there. So you want to talk yeah. a little bit about coming, like what it was like to take over this kitchen and it, it was during the period of the pandemic, which we're still kind of in. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, uh, you know, this, this has definitely been, um, you know, like my dream job for a long time. Um, Never did I expect that this is how it would all unfold, you know. So um, it was, it was, uh, it was, and still is a very um, interesting time. But I mean, we, uh, you know, Commander's Palace uh, was forced to close its doors to our guests in March of uh, 2020, 
And um, that was a, you know, probably one of the worst days of my life, you know, having to, to communicate that to um, a lot of employees was, um, you know, was obviously the fear of the unknown and what was going to happen was pretty hard to stomach, but, but making those phone calls and, and seeing those people face to face and having to tell them that I didn't have the answers and that we were closing our doors for now. Uh, it was probably one of the hardest days of my life. Um, and immediately, you know, the next day we all woke up and the uh, small team of us that was left um, got to work. And we immediately started doing to-go food, which has, I don't think anyone at Commanders has ever, you know, muttered those words before. <laughs> and so it was uh, very, very different for us. It was not something that we had ever done or thought of doing. And here it is. That's now our only source of income. Um, so we, we struggled through that. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I mean, we, we tried to make the best of it. And, you know, we couldn't do jazz brunch in the garden room anymore on Sundays. So we would, you know, one of our uh, service captains plays the trumpet. So we had him on the sidewalk playing the trumpet to no one, you know, <laughs> while we were doing to-go food. Um, just trying to continue to be ourselves in, in a weird way. You know, it was just yeah. kind of hard. Everybody was scrambling and trying to hold on to some sort of sanity. And um, so, you know, we did to go food and, and immediately um, all just, you know, I like to say that we, we stapled jello to the ceiling for a while and just trying to find something that would stick and something that made sense. And uh, a few things for our business came out of that. Um, that are still here and, um, and things that are doing very well. Uh, we, um, for years, well, I said probably about a year and a half before the pandemic, we had been talking to gold belly and, um, trying to see how, and if we could ship commanders palace experiences across the country. And, um, it was something that, you know, us in operate day-to-day operations were, um, I'll, well, I'll speak for myself, was scared of, you know, and um, how do we find time to do it? And where do we put it? And how, you know, like just logistically, logistically while trying to run um, this restaurant seemed kind of impossible. And so once the pandemic hit, you know, we called Goldbelly and said, hey, you remember all those conversations we were having? Let's start tomorrow. And we did. And so, you know, we started selling uh, turtle soup and the um, smoked boudin stuffed quail and and people started buying it, and it was really exciting. And so, delivery, delivery anywhere in the country. Yeah, yep, anywhere in the country. Amazing. Commander's Palace to your doorstep. Yeah, it <laughs> uh, it was amazing, and it was it was it was really exciting um, because you know not much was exciting during that time. So any win you got was that was a huge win, and um, and so you know we were able to um, keep some of the sous chef team on and you know we we had orders to fulfill and it was very exciting and um and while we are doing all of this there is uh you know in preparation that okay we're gonna you know we're gonna open in a few weeks okay we're gonna open in a few weeks you know and just kept kept talking about you know when we get open and um you know constant communication with employees and you know i mean we we serve uh family meal at the restaurant twice a day. So we feed our staff a hot meal twice a day. And when the restaurant closed, it was like, you know, everybody kind of scattered, but it was like, we were still providing a hot meal once a day and still, you know, I mean, just anything and everything that we could do to keep momentum up and to keep, you know, our family close to us. And, um, and one thing that we missed so much was breaking bread together and enjoying each other. And, um, so we thought, um, you know, that, that we should do that. Like Zoom was a thing that we didn't, do. like, we didn't know what Zoom was. We, you know, like, we didn't, like so many people, that wasn't a part of our, our world. And, um, and so there was this Zoom thing going around. And so we were like, well, let's get on Zoom. What can we do on Zoom? And um, we want to host parties again. We want to have people here again. If they can't be here, can they be at home and we can still do something? And, um, so we started doing wine and cheese zooms where we would buy, uh, we would sell kits of, uh, you know, a few bottles of wine 
and a few different types of cheeses. And we would get the, you know, the person who made the cheese or the person who, um, who <laughs> we would get the cheese maker to join us and we would get the winemakers to join us on Zoom and we would sell tickets and invite people to come. And, and we would. It was really useful. I mean, it was from from everything I read about it, right? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, we would, every Wednesday night, we would get so excited and we would like, um, we would have theme nights. So everybody, you know, we're in New Orleans and we, we can't do anything without a costume. So everybody would get all dressed up in their costumes and we would get on Zoom and we would drink wine and eat cheese. And I mean, it was so much fun and it became such a thing um, that it, it, became a serious business that we were running during the pandemic. And um, it was a blast. And um, so, you know, we, we had good things going, but it was still this, uh, we were still, you know, in this empty mansion and she was not happy about being empty. And so we were all just, you know, anticipating uh, when we would be able to be together again. And, and to have, you know, life in the building again. And so finally, uh, that opportunity came in September of 2020. And so we, we were planning on reopening the restaurant and, you know, we slowly started bringing employees back and, and we're just in preparation to open. And um, T and Lally, our, uh, our owners, um, pulled me aside and, and we had some multiple, multiple days of, of multiple conversations that were very uh, kind of in, intense and talking about, um, you know, the future of commanders and, and my future there and, um, you know, what, what I thought um, a good, strong leader needed to be and what, what those characteristics were and, you know, just really kind of diving deep into, into leadership and, and, my thoughts and and my goals and what I thought was important and um, which were phenomenal conversations, but I knew it was all leading somewhere and I was very nervous about where it was going. And, uh, and I sat down with Tori, the executive chef at the time. And, um, and he said that it was time for him to move on and that, you know, he was from the um, Northeast and, and, uh, excuse me, the Northwest and had spent so much time away from his family. And, you know, he had nieces and nephews that were growing up and he had missed time with them and, and was ready to, to move closer to family. And this is 22 years Tori McPhail had been at this restaurant. So it was definitely the, you know, end of an era, the end of decades of, of strong leadership. And, um, and so T and Lally asked me to take over, um, which was amazing and phenomenal and, um, and an absolutely terrifying thought. <laughs> um, but you, you, you went for it as I think you certainly should have, and I'm glad you did. And what a history, I mean, what a, a you know, history of chefs to now be a, a part of, um, uh, it's it's incredible, and I um just I had so many th- w- with your story. I was I was thinking. Well, first of all, when you said um, can't do anything without a costume, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a costume on right now. But um, I just <laughs> getting through the pandemic and what you guys went through, and that you were able to figure out um, you know, how to do an incredible party through Zoom and and get through it. Um. I give you guys so much credit. And so now are you, cause um, I want to ask you my question for my next guest, but before that, are you, how are you, how are things now? Are you fine? I mean, are leading this kitchen? Is it, is it what, you, I mean, your fears, are they, have they gone away? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and I don't want them to, because I think that's um, it's important to, <laughs> to be motivated by fear, you know? Um, but no, they haven't. And, and, and I like it that way. I have an incredible team. I really do. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm so, so lucky, um, to be working side by side with the people that I do. And I feel very privileged for that. And we, you know, are constantly building a phenomenal team of servers and cooks. And we 
are going places, you know, and it, and you feel it. You feel the excitement in the restaurant all the time. And um, there's a lot of growth to be had. You know, we've, we've started these businesses during the pandemic and two years later, we're still nurturing them in certain ways. And um, the restaurant is very alive again and it, it feels good. And, you know, I... I don't think that uh, that those fears or those, um, you know, the the weight of the position that I hold will ever go away. You know, I mean, I, I feel like I stand on the shoulders of giants and um, it's very big shoes to fill, um, not just for that, but for this city. And um, and I just feel honored that I get to wake up every day and, and come here, you know. Congratulations to you. I mean, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm proud Thank of you. you. I'm so glad I got to break bread with, with you and Lolly yeah. in Aspen, yeah. where we, we met in June for, and had a fabulous dinner together. Um, so yeah, and I have to get back down there. Um, okay. So before we take a break, let me ask you my questions from my last guest on episode 333. I had on Matt Freelander. He's an industry veteran and the co-owner of Sally Can Wait, which is a Miami Vice-inspired bar and restaurant on Manhattan's Lower East Side. So his two-part question is, where do you enjoy eating out and or drinking in New Orleans? And I'll wait for the second part. But but okay. uh, that he said that, um, well, he was, he was about to get married and start a family of oh, this that realized the second part. He noted that um, his family, he has a lot of family in New Orleans and he's been vis- visiting since he was a kid and he would certainly move down there and he just, he just loves, he loves New Orleans like I do. So where do you enjoy eating out and drinking? Um, well, I'll give him three that the next time he comes into town, he has to uh, visit. Uh, Lengua Madre, uh, it's tasting menu. It's phenomenal. It's my uh, dear friend, Ana Castro. Um, she's just incredible. It's an incredible restaurant. Um, and he's got to go. Uh, May pop is, um, Michael Gulata. Yeah. May pop is Michael Gulata. Um, that is, uh, one, like kind of, there's a group of us here at commanders like T our owner. Um, my dear friend, Leela, who does a lot of our, um, creative side with business. Um, I think that's like all of our, like one of our secret top favorite restaurants in the, in the city. Uh, Maypop is incredible. It's incredible. Michael is incredible. I've been there and, and I met Aspen, I met, I met Michael at Aspen or maybe at a different event many years ago and gotten to know him and, and he's, he's, he's awesome. So he is. Yeah. We, he, um, gave me the pleasure of being able to host him uh, a few weeks back. We did a dinner together here at commanders, but, um, he, well, we graduated from the same culinary school and I've, uh, I've just watched his career in awe for sure. And he's opening up a new restaurant, Tana, hopefully next year that I'm very excited about. Um, but yeah, he's awesome. So anything a lot I would go for. Um, and then Margie's grill, um, is awesome. It's kind of, um, outside of like the tourist zone a little bit. Um, it's on South Broad, uh, which is great because, everybody that dines there is, you know, it's a neighborhood restaurant. It's awesome. Um, but really eclectic food, um, just a phenomenal spot. The stuff they do is really, it's great. Ah, uh, terrific. So my big three. Yep. Putting on, putting on my list too. Um, okay. And so his second, second part of his question is as a newish mom, how do you balance being a parent with being the executive chef at the most renowned restaurant in New Orleans? How do you take care of work-life balance? And this is when he noted that he was getting married. He got married like the day after our show. Whoa. (laughs) Um, And he started about that. He he mentioned he's thinking of starting a family. So he wants to know, how do you, how are you balancing it all? Um, Well, I, uh, a very, very um, dear friend, but a very intelligent person told me uh, a while ago that I should remove the word balance from my vocabulary uh, because it's, it's no. unfair. <laughs> and, and I'm really glad that, um, that they said that, uh, because this is, you know, a woman who, um, just had an incredibly successful career and she has raised children into adulthood. And, um, and I think it's absolutely true. Uh, I don't know that there is 
I just don't know that that word necessarily belongs because when you think about a work-life balance, uh, especially, you know, doing what I do, um, I work a lot, you know, and, and I want to, I want to be in this restaurant all the time. And, um, to say that there's a balance to it, I don't think it's fair. I think that's an individual thing and you, you kind of have to figure that out. And I think, uh, the quality of the time that is spent um, either place is way more important than the quantity of time spent. And, um, you know, there are some days when I have to stop myself and say, okay, I like, I have to carve out time, you know, and I have to, if, if I can leave early, I'm going to leave early. And if I can come in late, I'm going to come in late and I need to spend time with my daughter or spend time with my husband. Um, but it's, you know, I think that's such a unique thing. And I don't think that saying that there is, you know, a work-life balance, because that implies that it's even. Um, I feel like you're, you know, I was, at least, uh, setting myself up for disappointment and failure. And so looking at the way that I look at it is quality of time over quantity of time and taking full advantage of all the time. I think there are 24 usable hours in every day, and it's all about how you use them. And on that fabulous note, let's take a break. That's good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll play my speed round. We'll talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. With over 70% of diners researching restaurants online before they go in person, a strong digital presence is more important than ever. Bento Box's website, marketing tools, and commerce platform help restaurants get discovered online, make more money, and engage diners in person and virtually. And Clover's world-class POS and payment system streamlines daily operations for a totally seamless experience. With Bento Box and Clover working together, Restaurants now have an all-in-one solution that makes it easy to deliver better hospitality from the kitchen to tableside and beyond. Bento Box and Clover, the right recipe for hospitality. Visit getbento.com better to learn more. That's getbento.com B-E-T-T-E-R. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Meg Bickford. She's the executive chef at Commander's Palace, a New Orleans landmark since 1893, known for creating great dining memories. So Meg, it's time for my speed round. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or al fresco dining? Mm, Indoor. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? All of the above. (laughs) Like it. (laughs) How about tasting menu or a la carte? Oh, that's a tough one. I think I'm going to go a la carte. Okay. And you're just a la carte at Commander's, right? You don't have a tasting. Uh, we we don't right now, but uh-huh. we will, come December we'll start our tasting menu again. We've been off and on for the last two years. It's you know, okay, things have happened, <laughs> but no, we we like to have a tasting menu. So come December we'll definitely have one back on. Uh, and my goal is to just keep it going and not stop it. Cool. Okay. How about um, small plates or large plates? Um, either a ton of small plates or a ton of large plates to share. (laughs) Communal table or chef's counter? Mm, Communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. How about muffaletta or po' boy? Po' boy. Ooh, po' boy. Po' boy. (laughs) Any type of po' boy. Yeah. Roast beef or fried shrimp, fried oysters, fried oyster with roast beef gravy. That's one of my all-time favorites. All right. Nice combo. Okay. A couple more. Raw oysters or char-grilled oysters? 
uh, raw. Cheese plate or dessert? Hmm. Hmm. Dessert. Last one's Manhattan, Brooklyn, or New Orleans. Hmm. I mean, if I have to choose my favorite, it's New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured I, I was guessing is <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> so um, cool. That's the game. You're awesome. Sp- that was fun. I like it. Thanks. I like it too. Okay, so for industry news, I picked out an article that was in Bon Appetit magazine, and it's entitled Restaurant Reservation Culture is Out of Control, Hour and a Half Lines, Elite Membership, Shady Reservation Trading Groups, and the Battle to Find Somewhere to Eat. And this is by Ali Francis. This came out about a week or so ago. Um, I just, I thought it would be interesting to talk to you a little about it, just because it's like, I mean, since we were talking about the pandemic and how everything changed, and now as things are getting back to whatever this new normal, um, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, they're, they're, people are noticing it's harder to make res- restaurant reservations. Um, this article cited a couple reasons, saying, well, many spots have more limited hours, and there is a lack of staff as well. Um, somewhere said something about. Um, having reservations makes the business more predictable for them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as someone who dines out a lot and makes a lot of reservations, um, I'm like, I'm like, it's like, it's like a, a hobby. I don't know. It's just part of my job almost at this point. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I did. I have noticed it's it's challenging to get reservations at, especially at the new hot restaurants in New York City. I mean, that's mm-hmm. always it's always been. I mean, that's like not that different, but I think, um, I think I find it is a little, I am noticing a little harder, but I also find as someone who goes out a lot by myself that as a walk-in, it's easy to still, I, going as a walk-in as someone solo, I'm able to get a seat at a bar a lot now. Um, during the pandemic when that was like, you couldn't do that as an option, go as a walk-in. I, I really missed it. Like it was sort of like one of those things I took for granted with restaurants. Um, but what are you finding with reservations at Commanders and also just in New Orleans? Um, well, you know, I mean, it's we're definitely feeling the same thing. You know what I mean? That it that it is more challenging, and um, there to me, there is a great positive in that. And I'm, you know, I'm sure anyone who doesn't work in the industry doesn't want to hear that. Um, but to me, it means that the demand is back and, and that's phenomenal. You know, I mean, just knowing that because, you know, there was a point in time, you know, in the last two years where you were just praying that the phone would ring. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it was like, people were scared and people weren't eating out, you know? So, um, so to hear that to me is, you know, we are getting back to whatever this new normal is the demand to eat in restaurants is strong. And so that's immediately what I think of when I hear this. Now, yes, it's frustrating <laughs> to not be able to get a reservation when you want to go somewhere. Um, but but there is, you know, I just want everybody to take a deep breath and see the positive in that just for our industry as a whole. Um, yeah, it, it, 100% agree. You're right. Yeah. Um, but... But it is, uh, it's, um, you know, for us, uh, we um, haven't had the luxury to have the amount of staff that we had um, in 2019. That has not happened for us yet. And so to say that, you know, we do limit um, how many guests we're going to serve because we still have... um, an expectation of the service that we are going to provide. And we need to have confidence that we are going to be able to provide that service. So we have a choice where we can take as many reservations as people will call, or we can decide that we know that we can do this well. And so this is what we're going to do. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's smart. And I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, what you're saying and what you're finding there is at least from what I see here in New York, it's it's similar. And so maybe this is just what is happening. I mean, that's what this article is saying. Like, this is kind of 
happening across across the country, many places. I mean, they did note a couple examples in New York um, and and uh, uh, places I'm familiar with, knowing that like like this place called Dame, that's very hard to get into. You kind of people mm-hmm. line up; they're open for walk-ins only on Mondays. People line up, and then this article touched on these like scalpers and digital subscriptions, which. That I'm not familiar with. Me neither. And that sounds crazy. <laughs> so, um, but I do sometimes, I mean, on Resi, um, you know, the reservation platform, I, I use the Notify, um, uh, what's it called? The whatever feature. And um, I've gotten reservations through that sometimes. Like you got to yeah. be looking at your phone, right? When you get the, you know, alert, but it works. So, so, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it's hard to get reservations now more than it was. Um, but as you noted, it's like a, it's like a good, it's like a good thing in a sense, like restaurants. Yeah. Are- and I mean, <laughs> man. I, yeah. And I, I mean, believe me, I see it both ways. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's exciting to know that, you know, we're still wanted. We're still, you know, like that, that restaurants are as important as we think they are, you know? Yeah. So. And how many seats are you? I mean, your restaurant's quite large, right? <laughs> it, it is. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we can configure it a lot of different ways. So there's not really an answer to that question. Okay, everyone just has to go down to New Orleans and and, <laughs> and see for yourself. And you should. Everyone should come visit you. Um, but um, okay, so uh, I want to before my solo dining experience just talk about a little bit uh, some industry events because this is tis the season. Um, and as I mentioned on my last show. Uh, Last night, I went to the 13th Annual Wellness in the Schools 2022 Gala, which was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And it was sneaker chic as the dress code, which is cool because I got I wore sneakers. So it was very comfortable. And the sneaker theme reminded me, last show I mentioned, I didn't think I'd been to one of their galas, but I had been because I remember, I remember, um, helping out one of one of my clients there and because of the the sneaker thing which is fun it's like dress up like make sure you're you're comfortable um and they always pick great venues and i have to say it's pretty was pretty special last night to be walking through the met museum at night while it's closed and they set up this beautiful event with it had amazing chefs and it was just it was really lovely i saw I saw people I knew like Claudia Fleming and James Kent was there and JJ Johnson. And it was, um, this is, this is wellness in the schools event that is a national nonprofit that teaches kids healthy habits to learn and live better. So it was for a great cause. So thank you for having me. Their website is wellnessintheschools.org if anyone wants to check it out. And then I had a a double header. I headed downtown. It was the 2022 Liquor Award celebration at Crown Shy Saga and or- Overstory, which is James Kent's uh, restaurants in the financial district, which I had talked to. Uh, I'd been to Saga recently for dinner, and it's another outstanding venue. And this was a, a really fun party um, celebrating celebrating these awards for. Uh, the liquor.com's website. And, um, I saw, I saw people like, uh, Heritage Radio's, uh, Souther Teague, who's a fellow host and, um, Dale DeGroff, who's been on my show. And there was just, there was a really amazing room filled of kind of like legendary beverage people who also coming off the pandemic times, it's like being back at events is still really, really special and kind of like, we're not, we're all not used to it. Um, So, so that was great. Their website's liquor.com and thank you for having me there. And then tonight I'm heading, I have, it's like a crazy week. I'm going after the show to La Dame, uh, De Scoffier, New York's um, new member induction, which is taking place at Alcoro, and I'm a member of that organization. So we're inducting our new members, which is exciting. And then John George is having a party tonight at for the Tin Building. Um, so 
I don't, I was thinking is two, like, I don't know, double headers. Does that make a home run? I don't know. <laughs> Hang around with this, but busy. And I know other events happening too, um, tonight as well. So it's like event season is back. Um, are you finding that down there, um, Meg, with events? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's And we're, you know, I mean, getting close to holiday season and, you know, we're this week, we're starting to feel a little bit of a break from the heat. So everybody's going nuts. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, a lot of good stuff happening all over the city. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And fall is typically a busy uh, event time. I mean, even that was before before the pandemic, it's always that way. Yeah, yeah. It seems now that people can do events, they are, and it's festive. So, so busy, busy, but um, busy, good. Okay, so for my solo dining experience this week, it's at Corner Bar. Here's the rundown. 60 Canal Street, Lower East Side, New York City, in the new Nine Orchard Hotel in the what they're calling the Dime Square neighborhood. The concept, it's an American bistro inspired by legendary bistros and taverns in cities around the world. The chef and owner is Ignacio Matos of Matos Hospitality. His restaurants include Estella, Altro, Paradiso, and Lodi. Talked about going solo at Lodi on episode 304. Um, Executive director of food and beverage is Jason Pfeiffer and director of food and beverage is Stuart Craigie. Well, why'd I go? Well, this is a new spot. Um, I didn't have a reservation though. Talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I'm an Ignacio fan, it, and it just sounded it sounded just like a place to check out. So my experience this is a few weeks ago. I was downtown, um, and I was it. I had had like an earlier bite to eat, but it was a little. It was kind of like nine thirty ish, and I was a little hungry, and I was nearby. So I decided to pop in uh, for this like latish solo dinner. And um, the space is really inviting. It's on a, a prime corner location in this elegant, beautiful new hotel. Um, and they have a really big bar. So I opted to sit at the bar. Um, place had really good energy. Um, I chatted with the bartender a little bit. Happy to be there. Um, I, I had a very nice time. And afterward, actually, uh, through social media, I connected with Stuart. Um, he, I had posted a photo of the corner uh, the restaurant with its alfresco dining, and he noticed he was actually in my photo, so he asked me to send it to him. So I didn't. It was like I didn't meet him there, but I met him after, which is the cool thing about social media. So, and I'm planning to go back and meet him in person. Okay, so what did I get? Well, the menu, everything looked fantastic, but I went with the corner bar burger because I just had to, and it had smoked onion remoulade and pickles on the side. Um, it came with New York cheddar. And I also got a side of palm frites with aioli. My take, delicious burger, manageable size, I'd say. It was perfectly cooked. It had a smokiness from the sauce. It was. It just hit the spot. The fries were fabulous, uh, perfectly crispy, came with ketchup, mustard, and the aioli. Um, and uh, it's so funny. I always... Like I love fries, but I I only eat like a like a small handful. I kind of wish they had like a smaller version of fries, but um, I'm probably on in the minority of that. Most people just eat the whole plate because fries are great. Okay, so the ambiance is um, it's a stylishly sophisticated space. It's got windows facing the street, and as I said, it has a very large bar. It goes almost along the whole side of the dining room, which is like a long rectangular shape. And then there's tables on the other side. It's got very inviting lighting and the hotel is really, really beautiful too. Um, I'd say it's perfect for a solo at the bar or a date night or dinner with friends. Um, also, you could go for breakfast or lunch uh, meeting. I think it serves its purpose for everyone and any time. Interesting tidbit. So Nine Orchard is this new elegant hotel that transformed a Lower East Side landmark originally built in 1912 that was a bank, um, and it it turned into a stunning, expertly renovated design with incredible architecture, um, uh, restoring its historic bones. And um, I, I popped in after to the hotel's like cocktail lounge just to see, and it's it's really quite a, a nice room. I would definitely go back there for drinks and with 
maybe meet some friends. Um, and Ignacio is opening another restaurant in this space as well. Personal fun fact. So a few nights ago, I was down in the West Village at a coffee shop and I was doing work and it got late and I was hungry and I was craving a burger. And I, I remembered that Corner Bistro was around the corner. And I, I'm in this neighborhood a lot. And I've been to Corner Bistro, but not in many, many years. So, and this is an institution that opened in 1961. So anyways, I decided to pop in there at the bar and get their burger. They have a bistro burger with American cheese and bacon and they've got their fries. And this is more like a, like, it's just a, a dive bar burger, but it was great. And um, I'm glad I, I got back and I won't wait as long to get back there too. Okay, so the cost of Corner Bar Burger, my meal, was $36, and that's not including tax and, and tip. Uh, would I go back? Yes. I'd like to um, I'd like to go for dinner and check out, or even breakfast. I'd like to check out more of the menu because it's always, a burger is great, but it's sort of, it's just like one take on what the restaurant's doing, of course. Um, so their website is cornerbarnyc.com and Instagram at cornerbarnyc. So there you go, my long-winded solo dining burger story experience. <laughs> Are you craving a burger now is the question. I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say before the show too, I was on your website and looking through the menu and I was just like, oh my God, this food, this food, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. So, um, okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guests are Rani Mazumdar and Chef Chintan Padia. They're the co-owners of Unapologetic Foods, which is an award-winning restaurant group that is out to redefine Indian food. And their restaurants include Damaka, Sema, Ada, Masala and Sons, which just opened, and they have Rowdy Rooster and Kabwala, um, and a couple other concepts. Um they're awesome. Uh, they were in Aspen too. Actually, a lot of people were in Aspen. Okay. So Meg, can you please ask a question for Ronnie and Chintan? Yes. Um, well, I have two. Um, I would like to know what is one thing that you want people to unlearn about Indian food? Ooh, I like it. Mm -hmm. Unlearn. And, yep. And well, cause I, I feel like what they're doing is so, mm -hmm. um, it's so in depth, you know, and it's, it's, it's not a blanket. And, um, and I feel like, you know, way too many, especially Americans have a blanket concept of what Indian food is. So I would love to know what they would like for people to unlearn. And, um, with this like rapidly expanding restaurant group that they have, um, I would, you know, guessing that, <laughs> that when you have that many restaurants, you kind of look at them as their children. And I'm wondering if they have a favorite one. Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know if they could answer that, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ask. You never know. <laughs> the same answer. They might have a different one. You never know. Um, yeah, they've, they've been, they've been on fire. <laughs> they've, 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 uh, they keep opening spots and getting great accolades. So I'm excited. Very exciting. Yeah. Chat with them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I will find out and I wish, I mean, this is one of those shows where I needed a couple hours, um, to talk with you, <laughs> <laughs> but we got through a lot and I'm just, I'm so, I'm so glad and honored that I met you and, um, got to spend some time with you and Lolly. Like it was so special to me. I just have to say like, our dinner and getting getting to know each other just really really means men's means a lot to me and having you now on this show with me and hearing about your story and what you're doing all the fabulous things you're doing in New Orleans at commanders and beyond is um is just it it just means so much to me so thank you so much and i i just wish you so much continued success um, cause I know, as you said, it's been, it's been hard and, uh, <laughs> it's been hard in the best way, you know, but you are, uh, you are too kind, Sherry. Thank you so much for your kind words. 
Oh, you're very welcome. And please send my best to Lolly. I have to meet T. I don't think I've met her before. Um, but uh, when I get down there, I will, or when I'm coming, I'll let you know because I, I want to. Please, please do. Yeah, we'd love to love to have you. I'd love to break at bread again with you because that was, that was a wonderful time. Yeah. Thank you. And if you come up to New York, let me know too. I Post promise. Here. I'll get. I'll. I'll be the one to get the reservation. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. My guest today has been Meg Bickford. She's the executive chef at Commander's Palace, a New Orleans landmark since 1893, known for creating great dining memories. Commander's Palace website is commanderspalace.com. They're on social at Commander's Palace, and my Meg is at Meg Bickford. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Kevin. Thanks again to Meg. And thanks to Mary Wagstaff, who uh, helped pull this whole thing together. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.